This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. This podcast is dedicated to what many camp professionals believe to be the most important time at camp, no matter what you call it, staff training, orientation, or leadership training. This critical time period prepares your staff to fulfill all the promises that you make to parents and customers throughout the rest of the year. My name is Ruby Compton, and I'm the Summer Camp Program Director at Green River Preserve uh, in Western North Carolina. We are a nature-focused camp um, that is lucky enough to do our program on a 3,400-acre private wildlife preserve. And before we dive into our topic for today, I want to introduce our other co-hosts. So I'm going to hand it over to Beth. Great. I'm Beth Allison. I'm the co-owner of Camp Hacker and one of the founders of Go Camp Pro. I was an executive director of five children's summer camps in Muskoka, Ontario for 15 years and I'm now a consultant with my husband, Travis, and my focus and passion is leadership training. Beautiful. Thanks, Beth. Gab. My name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the uh, camp directors at Camp Waro. Camp Waro is an all-girls camp in the Laurentian Mountains, and we focus on positive girl community as well as a linguistic program. Cool. And today's topic uh, and the title of our show is, is this how it looks to get fired? <laughs> so we're going to be talking today about training your staff on firings and other HR issues. And Beth is going to tell us a little bit more about why we chose this topic. I think like everything we do in staff training, we are intentional and purposeful. So we want our staff to prepare, be prepared for all things. And unfortunately, when you live in a community, especially residential camping where you're t together 24-7, there may come a time when you need to let someone go. And everybody needs to be on board with what will happen so there are no surprises. And expectations, like everything else in staff training, are set up ahead of time so you can have a more successful summer. And the more that they know, the less problems you'll have later on. Great. So we're going to jump right in with our first question, which is how do you approach the topic of getting fired during your leadership training? Uh, and I'd like to start with you, Beth. Great. I would love to. Um, as in everything with camp directing, you know that I believe in the word front load, front load, front load. Nobody should arrive at camp to begin training without fully understanding what could actually get them fired. We have an opportunity in our interviews or our hiring days to go over those expectations. So, for example, if you expect that your staff who are of drinking age will not drink at all during your summer, they need to be aware of that before they sign a contract, which could be months and hopefully is months before they even arrive to work. A contract should be sent out shortly after a position is accepted that clearly states your camp's rules and regulations and expectations. If there's a staff covenant that goes from year to year and not just one you make up each year with those specific people, that should be sent out as well. And it should reside front and center on your staff page of your website. So no person should ever be surprised during training when you talk about things that could get them fired. And as I think I wind up saying every episode in some capacity or another, the most important thing we do as camp directors is build community. Working first and foremost on that will build 
the foundation that's necessary for staff to understand how getting fired will not only affect them personally, but will, will hurt the community that you have worked so hard to build. So intentionally developing this kind of bond in your staff and doing it right is going to help ensure that they would never knowingly do anything to jeopardize that mission you are all set out to accomplish. So with that being said, and the fact that they all knew what would get them fired before they arrived on site, I would leave that discussion about how to get fired for closer to the end of staff training time. This way, you've allowed them to strengthen their ties, to have fully had a chance to get them all on board with your mission, and have created a true team of people who, when that discussion arises, can actually visualize the sad and unspeakable consequences of such actions. And in addition, I think, to focusing community and building in intentional ways to develop gratitude and that we-centered thinking that we talk about in your daily training schedule, I would highly recommend adding a session on legacy in your staff training. And I've developed one um, that I have done now for quite a few camps and it's worked exceptionally well. It's about an hour long and it allows staff the time to focus on something much bigger than themselves and it puts their time at camp into the grander scheme of things. It creates an opportunity for them to develop and res um, a respect for the past and those who have gone before and then to truly reflect on the, the legacy that they would like to leave when their time at camp is done. So it allows time to discuss what could happen to camp, its reputation, its future, should anyone do something truly selfish and thoughtless during the summer. And having this kind of truly intentional time to focus on what they give to camp and how they wish to be remembered, really, it further strengthens that sense of purpose and the reasons they would never want to get fired. So if anybody wants that session outline, I have it all written out, it's all ready to go. So just let me know and I'd really be happy to send it to you. But that's where I'd get started. Great. And I would love to just tack on to that, um, the idea of kind of when to talk about this. So we always do our, you know, how to get fired or what it looks like to get fired session. Uh, right before, we have a night off during our staff training where the staff can leave site mm -hmm. and go into town and get dinner and whatever else. And that's always the last thing they hear before they go, mm. um, which allows some of the return staff to, to start that conversation informally of like, no, they're really serious. Like this is, this is the first test for our staff about can you follow rules? And we've mm. outlined these expectations and are you just going to totally throw them out the window as soon as you step off site or are you going to follow them? Um, and then the other time that I really hammer that home is the right before the last session. Uh, there's always a moment where I ask the staff, all right, raise your hand or stand up if you like your job. Cool. How many of you all are thinking about wanting to, you know, be back here in the future, whether it's next year or down the road? How many of you want to see this place continue to be here if you have kids one day or family members who want to come here? Um, and, and then point out to them, like, I know it's the last session, but you could very easily make choices this week that will not allow that to happen. That'll take away this job from other people in the future um, and, and make it so camp doesn't exist anymore. Uh, remember all that stuff we talked about at the beginning of the summer? Yeah, it still applies now. You know? So those are two of the main times that I toss it in there. Um, and I think that that's, it can be a weird topic to, to segue into, but I think there's some yep. obvious places in your training to put it. Well, how about you, Gab? How do you approach the topic of getting fired during leadership training? I think it's it's similar to what uh, what you were saying, uh, Ruby, as well as of course Beth. Um, if I was going to get a little bit more specific and build on what you were saying, 
Um, of course, with when you're interviewing new staff and you're and you're front loading with them, and you're just being very clear and obvious. When you're rehiring returning staff, um, is to be very transparent with certain if there's was a behavior the year before that that uh, you don't want to have happen again, that you make it very very clear to that individual. Um, and I think that that helps with uh, conversations while they're at camp. But it also it's 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 not something that's out of the blue, and you already you already know who those staff members are, and they might be awesome except for this sort of you know one or two things that, you know you you believe that they can totally you know handle, but you just want to be clear. Um, so so you know looking at your staff and what are those things that yet that you should be going over, and um, I we do the same thing Ruby with talking to our staff before they go on on their day off. And I talk to my returning staff, um, have a separate session with them, and I explain to them that um, new staff and uh, new to the staff team, so they might have been a Waro person before, but they're new on staff, they listen to, they, they want to impress me, the director, so they'll do what I ask them to do, but how they do that is dependent on them. Um, so the example I give them is, for example, if we have our, our staff meetings, I was 7.20 in the morning. So if I say I want you to be there by, you know, 7.19, let's just say, um, those new, at the beginning, those new staff members as well as the, as well as the new to the team, um, they'll get there by 7.19. But if they will wake up at 7.17 if all of the returning staff members wake up at 7.17. And that's how they do it. So it's the same on, on your day off or how they treat each other. Um, that's, that's the tone. And there's a responsibility, and and it's, and it's telling them exactly what we're talking about. Um, that there, it's bigger than yourself. Camp is bigger than yourself. And the returning staff that I hire back, uh, I make it very clear in our interview that this is this is where this is the stage that they're entering, and it's it's a privilege. And it, and look at all the people that were there before you and how they set it up. And they're like, oh yeah, that's so true. And so this is a way to sort of also have modeling happening when you're you know, quote unquote, not on, on the clock. Awesome. All good tips. Um, I, yeah, I would add to that. Um, the return staff are so key in helping hammer home the, the idea of, you know, what is a fireable offense? Um, because they're probably going to share some of the stories of things that they've seen happen. Um, and, whether you want them to or not, like sometime it's going to come up. Um, and, and I know one of the other camps here in the area, they really put a lot of the discussion of, you know, what is the drug and alcohol policy and um, what are the, some of those other kind of really hard-lined rules that the director can say it, but really it's up to the return staff to, to commit to what the culture is at camp. And so making sure the return staff understand that I think is really critical. Um, so I was actually just telling Beth and Gab right before we started recording that I was actually at an HR workshop today all day long, uh, which is always interesting because you like you're the one camp person out of all these you know very professional business folks who are talking about nine to five jobs and the rules are pretty clear cut and pretty dry and and it's just it's a little bit hairy and scary with camp because the, our rules are just different. Uh, but one of the the big take homes I took from today uh, is something that we already do, but um, I want to make even more clear that we do. Uh, so on our job descriptions, we have uh, essential functions. So these are the things that you must be able to do to do the job of a camp counselor uh, or a position at camp. 
and they are physical requirements. They are, you know, are you able to cope with the environmental um, things that you're going to have to deal with in this environment, in this work environment, um, as well as just, you know, things that you must be able to do. So some of mine, I'm happy to post these in our show notes too, but some of the ones that we list for camp are, we're a hiking camp. You got to be able to hike four miles and you got to be able to do it every day. Um, you need to be able to listen to uh, oral instructions and communicate um, and comprehend uh, when instructions are given to you. Um, I tell my staff that, or on my job descriptions, you know, I require that people are able to bathe and uh, perform basic hygiene on their own because we are just not able to provide uh, support for that in our cabin settings. And so that is information that's given to them prior to interviewing. It's information that's on our website. Um, and on our, our application, it does ask, like, are you able to perform the essential functions of this job with or without reasonable accommodations? Um, but something I really took home from the, inter- the, the workshop I did today is we need to ask that question again in the interview and kind of say, like, do you remember reading the essential functions? Are, do you feel that you're going to be able to perform these essential functions with or without reasonable accommodation? And that's, that is going to protect you in the case of that person gets to camp and they can't do some of those things. Then when you terminate them, you as an organization are much more protected because you have gone through the hoops to, to make sure that, that they can do these things. And if they lie to you, like that's on them. But if you didn't ask, that's on you. Um, so again, it, it all goes back to that, you know, so much front loading, do it on the front end. Um, it starts at the interview. And um, the, the other little tidbit that I would throw in there about getting fired is, is learn from my mistake. Like I did a, you know, how to get fired session that we kind of made a little bit silly and, you know, talked about kind of the outlandish stuff and um, the, the very loud feedback I got from my staff was like, I, that really wasn't very effective. And so the next year we went totally the opposite and I, and I took an idea that I got from Beth, which was like, sat them all down and acted like they were all getting fired right then and there. <laughs> and, you know, talked them through like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to pack your stuff. You're going to go to the director's house. You don't get to say bye, you know, and the room was so silent, but especially with a room full of former campers that had a a huge, huge effect. And um, I, I think making that very real for them is, is huge. It's, it's so important to help them see, like, this is what it's going to look like. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be glamorous. It's not like you've seen on TV. This is what it'll be like for real. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, it's, there's a fine line between instilling feel, fear and being real. And I think mm-hmm. that what, it's exactly what you just described. Is, it's actually this is the reality. Not trying to scare you. This is just how it is. Yep. And we have done this before, and it sucks for everybody. Nobody likes it. Nobody wins. Uh, let's not let's not be put in this position. Yeah. And I think just because we may have listeners who didn't hear me talk about stuff before, maybe I'll just um, go into a little, just a teeny bit of detail about um, how I do that. Um, so I always set aside time during training to run that session, and I, I've always called it how to get fired. And it was something I learned how to do better over the years after a few not so wise decisions. Like Ruby, I had one. Um, And I have mentioned this on a podcast before, but I allowed two staff members to run that session one year because they asked me if they could. And they are still both extremely intelligent and very witty gentlemen. 
Um, but I had to finally step in and take over because things got quite out of control with them doing skits about all kinds of shenanigans um, that could get you fired. And I realized at that in that moment that it was far too important a topic for anyone else to do, but the person who would actually have to do the job of letting someone go. And in the end, as I said, I found it um, better to hold it near the end of the week for reasons that I talked about. Um, I drew everybody in together every year with them sitting on the floor kind of at my feet so that everybody um, could see me. And then I had a conversation about the two categories of getting fired. The one you had a chance, you knew it, you blew it and you're fired category, uh, like hitting a child or for us drinking on site because that was against rules. And the if you keep these up, even after we work with you and speak with you about it, you may get fired category. And I would explain that we had to have a a very important and serious conversation together about our mission and our family. And I'd ask them to give me examples of each of those categories. So everybody was really clear about what those were. And then I would tell them very explicitly, as Ruby said, what would happen if someone did get fired. And I found it most effective to whisper at that point in the conversation because they really listened (laughs) when I whispered. Um, And our policy was that a person was taken to the office or another location on site away from all the action. And if it was decided after conversation that they were to be fired, they were left alone in that in that location. A member or two of the leadership team would go to their cabin and pack all their belongings and bring them to that location and that they would be asked to leave if they had transportation or wait there until someone came to pick them up or they were driven to the bus station. They would not be allowed to go around camp and say goodbye. They would forfeit that opportunity if they indeed had done something which would have hurt the community and let their family members down. They were made aware that they would be allowed to reapply for camp the following summer if they so choose, but that there would be all kinds of steps taken to decide whether they were ready for that. Um, Two staff members who were fired one summer uh, together came back the next year and stayed for several years after that and were two of the staff best staff members I had ever had because they learned a very valuable lesson and a very hard one and they came back and set one of the best examples I have ever seen to this date of how to be an awesome staff member and then I let them know three things it was made clear to them that we would listen to their side of the story we would get as much information as possible before making a decision to fire someone Number two, if they were the staff members who did not get fired, the understanding of their role would be to keep camp running as smoothly as possible so that no camper ever knew. And if campers needed to be addressed about someone leaving, I would do it. And the staff would never discuss it in front of campers or parents. So Travis and I would give them what they could say to their campers so that we all had the same story. We could all um, have the same party line. And there would be people, staff um, left behind who could speak to, they could speak to about it, like their head counselor or their leadership team members or me, if they felt that they needed some support, but that there would always be detail about a firing that would never be shared with anyone but the person fired. And staff would have to accept that fact that there would always be things they would never be privy to. And when you live in community like that, that's a hard pill to swallow. Um, And I ended the discussion about saying how much it would suck, (laughs) how hard it would be for everyone, but that our job would be to get through it professionally and together. And I would also tell them that I would be reminding them of this very moment, if we ever had to let someone go, 
and that it would be their responsibility to continue on with the rest of the summer rebuilding and taking care of the community. Because when somebody's best buddy is fired, you just feel terrible, you're angry, you're hurt, you have all of these things, but you don't get to, you know, reduce yourself to a puddle and have all this me time because our job is to take care of campers. And I would also say every year that I was confident in who I hired and that uh, I knew that we were such a strong team and a family that no one ever would ever want to do anything to hurt camp. And in the end, in 15 years, I fired very few people. Um, And at the end of the conversation, that's a really great time to reaffirm your commitment to your place and to your people. So it's a nice time to maybe sign a covenant or have some other ritual to visually show the strength of your community. And then I highly recommend planning something really fun to do following that session, because it can be a really hard session when people think they've, you know, come up to to volunteer their time, essentially, because nobody gets well paid at summer camp, um, and to work harder than they've ever worked before. And, you know, the person you're supposed to look up to and who takes care of you has just told you what's going to happen if you get fired. So try to sort of rebuild a bit of that community sense and feeling before you send them off um, away from camp at that point. Great. Any other thoughts? Anybody want to add? Um, for me, uh, for me, what I've learned over the years is that um, um, I'm personally, I'm an avoider of conflict. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I I love I know there's a problem when I want to run the other way. Um so, I'm like there's an issue. And now after, you know, experience and everything, I know that's my sort of alarm bell when I'm sort of avoiding or wanting to run the other way, there's something I need to address. And I think that the way um directors that are it's we really wear so many different hats, but for me the the two specific hats that the that we wear that are sort of conflicting is the director hat for campers, we're really helping, trying to help them grow as individuals. And then the um, director's hat with staff, where we have an expectation of them. Of course, we have expectations of campers, but they're so different. And they have to really meet that expectation. And of course, there, there is a growth ha- must happen with staff, but it's not like, it's not as forgiving as it is with campers. And um, they, they have a job to do. And so there's only so much that that we can help staff members grow before letting them go, and um, and because then they just take up too much of your time. And and a lot of us that have been in the business for a while can probably remember hours of conversations. And now my conversations are limited to about 15 minutes um, with staff members, and that's that's sort of the role. But I think for if you're sort of an avoider like I am, um, I think the important thing is or to is to think about if I don't talk with this person, then they will have to go. So your first motivation is for them to stay. And so if it's not one of the first categories, you knew it uh, and you blew it category that, that Beth was talking about, but there's a behavior that's occurring and you, you recognize it, you know, it's, if it continues, then you'll have to let them go, then it's speak to them as soon as possible. And then when you're talking to them, to express any of your fears or anxieties, such as, um, telling you that you're spending too much time at the back of the building and not sitting with your campers. Um, and perhaps this person, you know, they might be a little bit moody afterwards or uh, distant. Then that's something that you have to voice is saying, I'm concerned that you might get a little bit distant 
and avoid me, but I'm doing this because I really want you to continue working here, but this is an issue. Um, and with the front loading, that's very helpful. And uh, so I think, I think with those two uh, pieces, a lot of the times I've avoided having to let people go because I've addressed, we've addressed the issue much earlier as well as you're able to address any of the anxieties that you have by just saying, this is, I'm concerned about this behavior because I've seen it before. Um, and that, ha- that has helped with, with some avoidance. And then if, the, if it doesn't change, then you're able to say, we've addressed it a number amount of times. This goes into our categories of spending time with appropriate time with our campers. It's not happening. Uh, let's see what we can do, where, where we can go from here. And with the firing piece, a lot of the times if I get to that point, because it's a behavior thing, then I'm just talking about um, you're not the person that we really, you know, you're, you're not the same person in the interview. And what's going on with you? Are, how are you doing? You don't seem as happy. And usually my goal with those with these staff members is that we both agree that this is not the right time in their lives to be within this mm-hmm. type of organization. And it's, I have yet to have somebody say, no, I want to stay. This is where I want to be. They're usually, they usually aren't, they aren't happy about the jobs and the work that they've done. And, uh, so we're, we still do the same process. They can't go and say goodbye to people, but we make it a decision. Uh, essentially I would fire them, but I, I try as much as possible to get to the point where, they agree that this is not the best place for them yep. at this time in their not life. Not a good fit. And then that way, yeah, it's not a good fit. And we leave on a good note, and uh, and that's that. So that's my sort of three steps that I take, but it's definitely going to see them first because I want them to stay. Hmm. Um, and then if they have to go, then I say, you just don't seem into it. And it's it, the motivation has gone so down, and we sort of, they, they decide that they want to leave. Nice. Yeah, I, I've found myself telling my staff, um, almost everybody that I've seen that has gotten fired from a summer camp job has made a choice to get fired from the summer camp job. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, it, that there is some sort of deliberate choice that they made. Uh, and it may be a series of deliberate choices. Uh, but in the end, it's, it's essentially out of my hands. Like They have made the decision. They knew what the consequences were. Um, and you know, at that point, my job is not to focus on the person and the disappointment that I'm feeling because I'm probably feeling some of that and, and rooting for them and wanting them to be successful is to focus on the behavior. Uh, and the challenge that we have in camp is it's a short-term job, you know, and, right. and what Gab is saying about the time, that really, really have to take that into consideration. And there may be somebody who, if this was a longer-term position, you're like, yeah, we'll kind of sort it out and work it out. But there, there are times when just the sheer time that you're spending dealing with the situation or the choices that they are making or the behaviors that they're exhibiting are not worth the, the mm-hmm. time because it's taking just too much from you. So, and um, how much I think is it that hurting the community too, which yeah, is really important. Exactly. How much of a, a soul suck or a time suck are they on other staff uh, or other campers? Mm-hmm. You have to consider that as well. Yes. And it, and I think that's a, that's a, that helps, that helps as a director. Um, a lot of staff start to resent um, these staff members. They're yes. working hard. They're making the, the choices to to make the effort, mm-hmm. whether it's in the control of the person or not. The truth is, is that they're not being successful at camp. And I think that that's what we have to look at. It's not whether they're a good person or a bad person, or if they right. if, or if they change their behavior, or if they can't change it. That's not the point. The point is, at the end of the summer, you those staff members are hired and at the end we want all of our staff members to uh, feel successful and feel challenged and that's it 
that they've been successful and they're a challenge, so they grew as a person. But at this point, they're not. And you, you can have a couple of talks and you can give them the opportunity and give them the tools, but they're not going to learn how to do that at summer camp. Um, they're going to learn how to do that by uh, you being clear. And sometimes that part of learning is going back home, like Beth mentioned. And I, I love that opportunity of staff members being able to come back. We've done the same thing and it is so powerful and they're so grateful and there's a strong reflection, but they wouldn't have had that opportunity. And so uh, it's, it's tough. I think it's, you know, camp directors, this is a hard thing to do because um, for the most part, we're really trying to create a space where people can be themselves. Um, and we're saying you can still be yourself, but you're not, you're actually not being successful uh, in your job. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It's not easy, guys. Do hard work. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, speaking of hard work, um, my next question for our, our group here is, are there other HR issues that you address in unique ways at camp? And, and again, like coming from this HR workshop that I was at today, I'm really interested to hear um, some ideas on this that are oh, it's very serendipitous so- that you went to this <laughs> right. workshop. Forgot. Uh, so let's start with you, Beth. Okay, so I mentioned this a little bit before we started recording, but because we were owned by the Presbyterian Church in Canada, there were other standards that we were required to follow called leading with care. And truthfully, uh, as I said to my two co-hosts before we started, there was nothing in that document that came out after we started directing that was anything new to us. Uh, Camps were already doing that and truthfully doing it a little bit better because we just had more experience and we were residential. But we were required to have every staff member present at a session about leading with care, and they had to sign documentation to that effect, and they had to go back into the head office. So the leading with care spoke about sexual harassment, the safety of those in our care, etc. So for me, this session was always held in a circle to promote that idea of community with one group, no beginning and no end, because talking about sexual harassment at camp can make people feel really icky. So we talked about what sexual harassment looked like from the subtlest example to the most obvious. We talked about power, who had power over who at camp and why, Uh, you know, gender, education, age, male versus female, job position, etc., And we talked about the fact that those with power needed to be more careful in their roles so as never to put someone in a position where they were made to feel powerless. And then Travis and I would walk them through what would happen, again, front-loading, if someone accused another staff member of sexually harassing them. And they needed to know who to talk to. So you need to give them more than one person in case it happens to be that one person that they feel is harassing them and how it would play out. We talked about how we would deal with the accused as well as the person who came to tell us that they were feeling sexually harassed. We told them we would always believe them and that we would do our very best to hear from all sides. And we were also clear that it was how the person was made to feel and not just the accused's intentions that mattered. And then of course we brought it all back to our four S's and how we would treat one another Everybody has the right to feel safe at summer camp. So if someone has made another staff member feel unsafe, it was grounds for dismissal if things could not be worked out and we found out that it actually was intentional. So 
walking him through that, through the details, um, using skits to show that with skits that are prepared with us um, so that we know things are going the way we want them to go and so that nothing gets ridiculous um, and we don't start to make light of a very serious discussion was really helpful for them to be able to understand that and um, for them to also feel that once again we were being really intentional in the community and they knew how they would feel safe at camp and if they didn't what to do about it. Awesome. How about you, Gab? Um, I think um, one of one of the things that when we when we're talking about um, specifically sort of maybe sexual assault or intimidation, um, the way I frame it is that we're trying to role model what a healthy um, adult and child relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. I've said this in past uh, po- podcasts, but I think that this is such a powerful thing for men and women, young women, women to put their minds. We're not here to, they, a lot of our staff are coming because they love kids, they love the outdoors and, and they, you know, they want to have a great summer. And so they think, well, myself, I, I would never do that. So I'm sort of exempted from, from this. Mm-hmm. And if we flip the, the script a little bit and say, actually our actions are going to be very useful for these young individuals to know what it's like and, and what it looks like to have a healthy adult child relationship. And what a, a healthy um, adult-adult relationship looks like as well, uh, professionally. And so I think for me, that's been that's that was a turning point for us a couple of years ago. And um, as well as as we allow our staff members to journal a little bit, um, to write a, a couple of of experiences of when they have felt uncomfortable in the past, and and and. Do they think that the person was aware or unaware? And and why was that? And what were some of the situations? And just allowing a little bit of that reflection time, and this doesn't have to be have to do with sexual assault. It has to do with, as Beth has mentioned, uh, power. So it's a these are sensitive topics, but they they need to be taken very seriously. Um, but it's also a way of saying you do have power by being a you know being a positive role model, uh, giving a child some space. Um, asking, can, you know, can I put my hand on your back? Uh, these type of things are all building to this is how we should be treating each other. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a very, very, uh, it's a positive thing that we're doing and, um, it's helping our, our kids learn. And, uh, for me, I've, I've really enjoyed sort of this method of, of, of talking with our staff. We're changing the world, y'all. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I hope so. But I, I think I wish, I wish that uh, there's something that's really cool about having an all girls environment um, in certain ways. But there's also something. All of these camps are so have such opportunities and so many different angles, and to have positive, strong male role models with young girls and what that looks like is so influential and important. Um, and, uh, and the same with, with women and it just, just this sort of these different dynamics. Um, we have such opportunities to, to show our kids, um, through our staff, um, you know, what it means to feel safe and what it means to say I'm uncomfortable and allow them to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think that these, I think we can, as directors look at these, um, sessions as not as how do we protect ourselves, but how can we use this as a tool that's going to really help our kids and our staff? Um, and of course, all of our staff go to most of our staff go to university, 
as we know, universities are not the safest place um, for for power and and taking advantage. And this is such an opportunity to to also show them, you know, their their responsibility with each other and themselves. So, yeah, that was a side topic. Yeah, but I feel very <laughs> strong. Well, and I want to. <laughs> I want to add on to to that piece, especially because we actually took a tool that universities are using and implemented it into our camp culture um, because we are a co-ed camp and we have Girlsville and Boysville with our cabins. Um, and, you know, the, the unspoken and spoken rule is like girls don't go in Boysville, boys don't go in Girlsville. Uh, but the reality of it is... Um, you know, on nights off, if a girl walks through Boysville and stands outside of a boy's cabin while they're making plans, like, I'm probably not going to fire them for that right then and there. You know, um, it's not what we want them to do, but it's also, you know, is that something I'm going to fire a great employee over, you know? Um, so when we were talking about how do we talk about these cultures that you're coming from, with these, especially university cultures, but they talk about rape culture, you know, in the world right now and, and what our young people are facing. Um, how do we create a safe environment at camp? And, you know, I had coworkers that said, you know, we draw a line down the middle of camp and say, you can't cross that line. And, and that's how we protect ourselves. And, and I just was not okay with that because that didn't feel like the respectful way to do it in our community. Like that was kind of like the, the punishment, not the like rise up and, mm -hmm. and be better. And so we took a tool that a lot of universities are adopting, which is a consent policy, which is essentially establishes uh, with your staff that the expectation is, you know, we really don't want you to engage in sexual activities with the people that you're around. But I also understand that it's probably it might happen. Um, and, you know, and again, like I'm not coming from the, the standpoint where I want to fire people for those sorts of decisions. Like I have way better things to be doing with my time. <laughs> But if you are engaging in, in you know, intimate relations with other people on staff, we are gonna, we're expecting you that you're going to get explicit verbal consent for the things that you engage in. And explicit verbal consent for one thing does not mean explicit verbal consent for something else. And yeah, you know, that may sound a little bit hokey, but at the same time, now we have set that expectation. And to me, that's what will allow for some conversations to happen because at least both people are, you know, if, if they're both camp people and have both heard that talk, they're both entering into this situation where they both know that that's the expectation. And that may allow for one of them to say like, yo, yeah, I don't want to do this, you know, <laughs> because they know that that expectation is there. And that was really well received within our community once we adopted that um, and understood it and, you know, upheld as far as I know. I don't know. I wasn't in every conversation, but um, I think that to me that felt a lot better than like, just don't cross this line. And um, and again, it's something people are, are seeing at their universities too. So they're not all that unfamiliar with it. Um, I would add as far as, um, you know, other HR issues is, and I've said this before on the podcast, but just like training your employees on how to be employees. A lot of your staff, it may be their first job. Uh, so they don't know how to go to meetings and they certainly don't know how to fill out workers comp paperwork and, you know, what that looks like. And, and I remember, we kind of scratched the surface on talking about workers' comp. Like somebody raised their hand and said, what happens if I get hurt? And does the insurance pay for it? And it was clear that everybody wanted answers. And so, you know, being willing to take some time in training or 
um, you know, have a question box where people can just submit questions. And maybe if nobody asks about it, like you plant a couple in there that are about some of those HR things, because they're probably questions that people may not even know how to ask. Um, so just, just consider that. Uh, and, and maybe you don't have to go into every little detail of how exactly it works, but uh, at the YMCA camp where I worked, like, if you got hurt at work, first three steps, you go to the office, you fill out a form, you go take a drug test. Like, then everybody knew, like, those were the first three steps. So I think um, having some of those conversations, um, and again, I think I've said this on the podcast as well, but talking through what lawsuits look like. If camp ends up in a lawsuit, if, if um, it's, you know, something that happens between staff or something that happens with a camper family that is, you know, suing camp, talk about how that plays out and what are some of the defenses and, and what, what are, whose responsibility is it to prove what? Uh, I know that was a, a discussion we had at my outdoor ed center as part of our training. And that was really helpful. And it also really drove home the point of like, follow the policies and procedures. Because if you do that, in general, the insurance company for the camp is going to back you. But if you start straying from policies and procedures, then that's where you're putting yourself personally at risk. Um, so, you know, you can float that and just see how much people are really interested. But I think in general, people get really scared when you start talking about lawsuits and it's this really big unknown thing. So if you can give them some basic information um, about just some of the terminology and like what does it mean to get sued for negligence and, and how does somebody win a negligence case? Um, we had a training with the North Carolina, uh, youth camp directors, um, a couple of weeks ago where one of the attorneys who represents a lot of the camps and one of the insurance agents who works with many of the camps basically put together a mock scenario and then showed us, you know, this is what a lawsuit would look like for this scenario and then talked through, you know, how, how that plays out. And are you surprised to see some of these people on the plaintiff list and all that kind of stuff. And we're actually talking about bringing that in to our staff training this year um, and, and really putting that in front of the staff as well to help them understand the severity of, and the weight of the job that they're doing every day. Nice. Any other thoughts on that one? No, I think we're probably ready for Gab's recap. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> There's a lot of notes. Heavy. There's also a lot of sort of back thought in my head with everything <laughs> that's being said. <laughs> I was like, oh, we can totally get into this later. Um, okay. So guys, this is an important part of being hired. You can also <laughs> get fired. And we want to make sure that at the very beginning in the interview process, we talk about how you can get fired. So uh, best favorite term, front loads. Let's make sure that that's in our contract as well as in the website, uh, on our website. Also during staff training, a great title, how to get fired. And let's make sure that we're really cleared about the two categories. You knew it and you blew it, or <laughs> we worked with you and very little has changed. Uh, staff and uh, returning staff members must be role models and they have to be pros. If somebody does get fired, let's give them a script. It's super, super important. We don't want them to be uh, telling a whole bunch of random details that, uh, that nobody should really be hearing about. Um, don't be silly, be real. Make sure that we're not making fun of getting fired and remain as realistic as possible. And just in case you didn't hear that second part of our, our podcast, <laughs> learn about consent. It's uber important. A lot of uh, universities are talking about it. Lines don't really work. And agents of safety 
role model a healthy relationship as well as let's talk about lawsuits. What do they look like? And that's sort of the recap for today. Beautiful. Well done. Well, cool. Well, we want you to get involved with our podcast. You can join us on the hashtag Camp Code and tell us what topics you'd like for us to discuss, any guests that you recommend we talk to, any great leadership training tips that you want to share. We'd love to hear from you. It's all about sharing in this industry. It's one of the reasons we love it so. Speaking of love, if you love this podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, you can actually do that by going to camphacker.tv slash cc underscore iTunes, or you can tweet your love of the show by going to camphacker.tv slash love. That's all one word. Um, your feedback really helps keep our show going, and we love hearing from our, our listeners as well. Speaking of hearing from our listeners, we want to find want to let you know how you can be in touch with us. So, Beth, why don't you start us off with that? Absolutely. You can look up my websites either at camphacker.tv or gocamp.pro, not gocamppro.com, gocamp.pro. And you can email me directly at beth at camphacker.tv or beth at gocamp.pro. And uh, we use the hashtag camphacker, or you can find me at topaz, which was my camp name. Beautiful. Gab. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Gabrielle Rail, Rail with two L's, as well as Instagram, same address. And you can also check out where I work at waro.com, O-U-A-R-E-A-U. Beautiful. And you can reach me at ruby at greenriverpreserve.org. I'm also on Twitter at rubylin85. Uh, and on Instagram, Ruby Outdoors. And I know all three of us are, uh, we'll be in Atlanta. I don't know if this podcast will come out before or after that uh, conference, but we'll be at the national conference and a couple of us will be up at Tri-State. So if you're out at conferences and you see any of us, please also feel free to reach out. We're happy to talk with you then too. I've had some awesome conversations with some listeners. Um, so definitely reach out to us. Yep. Cool. Well, um, so next up, Beth's going to tell us what's happening on our next podcast. Mm -hmm. For our next podcast, we're going to be talking about summer flings and healthy relationships, training for relationships at camp. So some of what we talked about today is going to come into play in that particular conversation. We're really excited about that one. Yeah, our uh, <laughs> our final segment on each podcast. Why are is we a... giggling? Because <laughs> I got some good that's stories. Exciting. Yes, I think that's what it is. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be great. So our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training, and we would love to hear some of your memorable moments or most effective tips. You can tell us what they are using that hashtag camp code. And today, Beth has a best practice for us. This best practice is something that I thought about several weeks ago when we were originally going to be recording this, uh, and one of us was not feeling well, so we had to reschedule. But I just want you to know how in tune the three of us are with each other, because this particular best practice has a lot to do with what we talked about today that I didn't know we were going to talk about. So in order to make all staff members feel safe at camp, one of the things that I used to do was have the staff talk about how males should treat females and females treat males if there was any difference. So one year I had the males circle up and discuss with each other how females could be treated disrespectfully in our society. And I bought all of these 
magazines, which I felt like really creepy for in the drugstore buying all these magazines, but I found a whole bunch of magazines really focused on the male body and a whole pile of them really focused on the female body and, and, you know, all those kinds of things in society that we need to do apparently to have these particular wonderful lives. And, um, so the females did the same for the males. And then what they did, so I gave them the magazines just to kind of have an opportunity to look through to get discussions started. And then they shared their lists with each other. And then when they had done that, I sent them back into their separate circles to create the ways in which each gender would treat the other one that summer. And it was really powerful to for them to hear from the other side and to vocalize how they wanted to treat the other gender during the summer. And this then led to a policy we developed together at the end of that session of how we would lead by example when teaching campers how to treat people of both genders, of all genders. And I think the important thing to is to continue to lay that solid foundation of your mission and community by being incredibly intentional with your language and understanding of one another during training. So make sure that you make time for those opportunities to, to discuss what's really important to you. It was one of the most powerful summers we had in terms of how I saw our males treating our female staff and then campers as well, and vice versa, and really empowering one another and treating one another with such respect and equality. So I gave them the time to do that. They owned it. They came up with how they wanted to do it. And at the end of the summer, without asking, the males um, had created a plaque for the females. And it was, um, they did it in mail call, which is a time that they had to be able to be together as a male staff. And so they did machine shop stuff. And they cut out this big plaque that looked like a gear, um, like a cog in a machine. And they put out all the female names on it, because they felt we were the ones who really turned the machine. And then without them knowing the females prepared a song that they sang to all the males on the last night of camp. So it was a real, it was a very powerful summer. So I really encourage you to have those kinds of conversation and, and make ways for them to think about it so that when they're uh, having those times during the summer that they may not be at their very best, they have something to go back to and talk about um, with one another. That's really beautiful. It was That's really, awesome. I was really proud of them. That was a great staff that year. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thanks so much for listening, and please join us on the hashtag Camp Code. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.